horseback on Sunday morning. Harvest over, we taste persimmon and wild grape, sharp, sweet of summer's end. In time's maze over the fall fields, we name names that went west, names that rest on graves. We open a persimmon seed to find the tree that stands in promise, pale in the seed's morrow. Geese appear high over us, pass, and the sky closes. What we need is here. And we pray not for a new earth or heaven, but to be quiet in heart and in eye clear. What we need is here. Wendell Berry, a National Humanities Award-winning author, wrote those words. Over the past few weeks, we've drawn near to his work to glean wisdom in how to live our best life in 2019. Barry's words and images have guided our gaze over the past few Sundays, for example, to a sycamore tree and to the root from which life emerges. This week, as I read that poem, I kept returning to the lines, and we pray to be quiet in heart, and in eye clear, what we need is here. Have you ever felt that way, a longing to be quiet in heart and in eye clear? To have that sense that, that, that what you need, all you need, is in front of you, in your life right now. That what we need is somehow here. Instead of, say, being out there, somewhere else. Our series is called Flourish, How to Grow a Great Life in 2019. And along with Wendell Berry, we have reflected on Exodus chapter 20, what is called the, the Decalogue, the Ten Words, instructions that God gave to Moses and to the Israelites 90 days after they had been set free from captivity in Egypt. In our passage, they, they are on their journey to the promised land, and God describes the, the kind of choices they will need to make in their newfound freedom. Choices that can lead them, for example, towards faith and hope and love, or, or on the other hand, to a captivity of their own making. The past few Sundays, we focused on words in the Decalogue that might enable us to to flourish in our relationships, in our sense of purpose, and deepen our spiritual life. So far, we've considered the words worship and worthiness, Sabbath as in rest, kabod in the sense of honor or the weightiness of our relationship to our parents, rasha meaning to not kill, and last week, the word lo, the Hebrew word for no, as in no adultery, or steal, or lie. 
we've asked ourselves, what would 2019 look like if we chose one of those words to, to direct our actions and our thoughts in this new year? This morning we turn to Exodus 20:17, which reads, You shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word covet here originates with the Hebrew word kamad, which means broadly desire. But specifically in our passage, the sense of of wanting that has grown out of control or, or ungoverned, as Strong's Concordance, a biblical guide, puts it. Growing up, I remember feeling kamad in my heart now and again. My desire was ungoverned when I was eight years old and wanted a 1956 Ted Williams baseball card. When I was 10, I felt kamad when I wanted a red Ludwig drum set. I remember feeling kamad when a friend got a Jimmy Connors T2000 metal tennis racket and I owned a Wilson Wood Advantage. I remember feeling kamad when I saw a first edition of T.S. Eliot's poems behind a locked bookcase in a used bookstore. Or when I was in college and a Saab black convertible drove past as sleek and as stylish as any 22-year-old could ever dream of owning. To be human is to have those desires, to feel calm. I wonder, have you ever wanted something that really was someone else's? As the Israelites and Moses stood at the foot of Mount Sinai, they heard God's voice be specific about the kind of things we can come on. A neighbor's house, a neighbor's wife, help, ox, a donkey, or anything that belongs to them. In 2019, I suspect that could be translated into a neighbor's car or summer home, a boat new golf clubs. You get the idea. Now, on the other hand, there's also something positive about desire. It can drive us forward towards a goal or an ambition uh, to start a new business, to run a marathon, to climb a mountain, to work towards retirement. There's nothing wrong with feeling desire, but there's often this shadow side to it. About a year ago, Joe Pinsker published a fascinating article in the Atlantic Monthly where he noted that Michael Norton, a Harvard Business School professor, studied the connections between happiness and wealth. And he published a paper where he, he described this research he did he asked more than 2,000 people who have a net worth of a million dollars or more, and he asked them to grade their happiness scale on one to 10. He then asked them how much more money would they need to get to a 10? Guess how much more money someone with a net worth of seven figures or so feels that they need to reach 
a 10 on a happiness scale. All the way up the income wealth spectrum, Norton discovered, basically everyone says they need two to three times as much to be happy. The issue, observes Joe Pinsker, is studies reveal we are often asking ourselves these two central questions. Am, am I doing better than I was doing before? And am I doing better than other people? Have those questions ever drifted through your mind? And to put a sharper point on it, have you ever compared yourself, say, to your brother or your sister or your best friend or your neighbor or your coworker and thought, I wish I had what they had. I wish I had a little bit more. Then I'd be happy. Then I'd be content. That feeling, proclaims Exodus 20, 17, is kamad. So what can we do to, to address this word and to obey this commandment, if you will? What's fascinating, note scholars, is kamad is actually a unique concept here compared to the other words in the Decalogue. The other ones refer to actions, like worship God, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Keep the Sabbath. Kabod your parents. Blow adultery and steal. But Kamad takes us inside of ourselves. It proclaims if we want to remain free and not return to captivity, we have to pay attention to our thoughts. Terence Fretheim is one of my favorite biblical scholars and makes the observation that this commandment forms, as he puts it, the interior ground of the violation of the other commandments. That's interesting, isn't it? In other words, when we are building our life or, or when we are building a new year, Fretheim observes how this commandment is the interior ground that will shape everything that, that comes forth from us. Our ideas, our initiatives, our, our plans, our relationships, and our work. Meaning, if we can steer away from Kamad, then what we will build from our interior will reflect God's ways and purposes. But if we give in to Kamad, as Fretheim notes, covetousness has this way of breeding discontent, and disorder, and trouble in our relationships. It betrays a deep dissatisfaction with what we've been given. Which brings us to the photograph on our bulletin cover. You might think that you are looking at the bedroom floor of a busy teenager. You might think, well, someone needs to tidy up. And that's exactly the point. Have you heard of Marie Kondo? 
She was listed as one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in 2015. As one website put it, Kondo says she was interested in organizing since childhood. In junior high, she, she ran back into the classroom to tidy up bookshelves while her classmates were outside. Kondo shares how she experienced this breakthrough one day. She describes, I fainted as one, and was unconscious for two hours. When I came to, I heard a mysterious voice, she says, like some god of tidying up, telling me to look at things more closely. And I realized I was looking for things to throw out in my life. What I should be doing is finding things that I want to keep. That change in orientation transformed her life. As she puts it, identifying the things that make you happy is a way of tidying up. She founded her consulting business when she was 19 and a student at Tokyo Women's Christian University. Today, her books have sold over 4 million copies. She's launched a show on Netflix. When I read about Kondo, I wondered if she was offering a clue how to steer our thoughts from Kama. Or as Terence Fretheim puts it, to steer away from that deep dissatisfaction from what we've been given. As Kondo writes, the question we should be asking ourselves is not, what do I want what don't I have? But what do I want to keep and focus on in my life right now? And how do we do that? She suggests we begin by identifying what sparks joy in our life with what we possess right now. For example, she suggests we might begin with our closets and, and, and dump everything on the floor like you see on that bulletin cover and then identify the things that spark joy. When I decided to do this, I looked in my closet and found an, an old tan suit I haven't worn in 10 years. I found these weird shirts with outdated patterns. At least 20 ties I haven't worn in years. Let those go. This is Kondo. But in going through that process, I also paid attention to the two suits I love, these six shirts I enjoy, and these few ties that have meaning as they were gifts from particular people. What happens when we do this, says Kondo, is we notice things that spark joy. You can start with clothes, but that filter applies to anything or anyone in our life. We can refocus our desire from, from drifting, from, from being ungoverned, in other words, to the blessings that we've been given. As Wendell Berry puts it, and we pray to be quiet in heart and in eye clear, what we need is here. Or as Jesus teaches in the New Testament, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. How would 2019 unfold 
if we kept our eye focused on what brought us joy in our life right now. Rather than stirring up dissatisfaction by comparing our life to someone else's life, what if in 2019 we choose to to govern our desire rather than allowing it to kamad, to steer us into a captivity of our own making? Would this new year be a year of relational and vocational and, and spiritual growth, would we not flourish? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.